You are Locked On Rams, your daily Los Angeles Rams podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Rams Nation, what is going on? It is your boy, your host, Sosa Cremendez. As you guys know, I'm a fantasy analyst at Pro Football Focus and your host here of the Locked On Rams podcast, your number one daily podcast covering the Los Angeles Rams and part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Before we dive into today's special episode, I just wanted to remind you guys that winning your league starts with the right data. Vinny Iyer of the Sporting News provides you the edge you need in your fantasy football leagues. Locked On Fantasy Football is a daily podcast all year round, so your fantasy team never fails. Subscribe to the Locked On Fantasy Podcast. Welcome to your Wednesday episode here of the Locked On Rams pod. You guys know how we do Wednesdays around here. My man Brad Motter is on the other line, and Brad shot me over a good idea last week, and basically that's what we're going to spend this episode discussing. So I'm sure a lot of Rams fans are really going to love to hear what we're talking about here. Maybe not so much San Francisco 49ers fans, but we're going to dedicate this episode to going head-to-head between two head coaches that I think a lot of people find very polarizing between Sean McVay and Kyle Shanahan. And I think we're going to eventually share our thoughts on which guy, you know, we would like to be our head coach if we had a football team or which guy we think is ultimately better. But uh, this was inspired by one of the episodes at Locked On 49ers last week. I believe it was on Wednesday. You guys probably know Brian Peacock by now. He's also got a new co-host and Eric Crocker, a former NFL player. And, you know, every Wednesday, I guess they also do a special episode where they have a weekly guest named Nick Winkler, who joins the podcast. So you guys can go listen to that if you wish. Um, but we're going to do the Rams version here, Brad. And Brad, before we dive into all of that, just got to ask you, my man, how you doing? I'm doing good. Got a nice cold beer cracked here and uh, excited to dive into this one. I mean, Brian Peacock, one of my favorite hosts outside of Lockdown Rams on the network, always really enjoy. And I saw that come across the Shanahan McVay and I'm like, all right, I got, I know where they're going, but I got to dive into it. And I apologize. You know, he has a former NFL player as co-host and you get a, a guy named Bear. So, uh, you know, we'll, <laughs> we'll do our best we can, but uh, I really enjoyed their episode. I, I just feel like we need to do some sort of rebuttal to kind of talk about our end. And, and I encourage you guys to go listen to it. It's a really fun episode. Um, they talk mostly about that coaching battle in like the middle of the podcast, but uh, it just got my, my brain going, going, hey, someone from the Rams side of this needs to kind of uh, kick it off and do a rebuttal. And, and here we are today. We'll spend some time on it because it's a really good conversation. I think both organizations can walk away and say, we're actually really happy with our head coach. But uh, that's what this offseason is for is debating some of these topics. And, and this is a good one in the NFC West. Yeah, and I feel like so many places, it doesn't matter where I turn, if it's, you know, Twitter, a fan base, PFF, all these different media outlets, no matter where, everyone is torn. You know, I feel like there's no legitimate consensus here. If you ask Rams fans and Rams contingent, I think they know, you know, I think we know where they're going to go. You ask 49ers fans, 49ers media, I think we know where they're going to go. But you said it, you know, they made a case for uh, Kyle Shanahan and it was an okay case, right? But I think it always has to start at the very top. And both guys, luckily for, you know, argument's sake, have coached their respective teams for four seasons. So we can really get a good head-to-head comparison right now, you know, looking at win-losses and all these other in-depth numbers and even, you know, things on a more micro level when you're looking at how they lead and, you know, the decisions that they've made, signing players and trading guys, whatever the case is. Obviously, that kind of, you know, starts to get into the weeds of the general manager's job as well. But, We got to begin with the first thing, wins and losses, the records for four seasons. Both guys 
took over their teams in 2017, obviously still currently head coaches of their respective teams. We both got 16 games per season, 2017 through 2020. In those years, Sean McVay managed a 43-21 and 21 record, which is a win-loss percentage of 67% over the course of 64 games. Throughout that same time span, Kyle Shanahan, 29-35 and 35 with a win percentage of 45%. So we're talking about a guy right now who's not even 500. Now, you know, I know a lot of Rams fans use that as the major sticking point and deservedly so. I mean, at the end of the day, the only thing that matters is are you winning or losing football games, right? But there's a lot more to it. And I think, you know, we can be a little bit more sympathetic with Kyle Shanahan's record because of all the little nuances that they've had to go through with the quarterback stuff, a lot of injuries. Even last year, they're pretty much their entire roster was injury prone or lost to some extent, especially the defensive side of the ball. But Brad, when you look at this record and you just look at the head to head here, um, where does that kind of lead you? And maybe what's your first point here? Because I think, you know, just looking obviously at the records and that's where we have to begin, I think is it kind of feels pretty clear to me, which guy has been, you know, much more consistent in terms of leading their teams to successful seasons. Yeah. If you ask anybody that is a football fan or a coach or any walk of life that is involved in the game of football or any sport, you're judging on wins and losses, right? And mm-hmm. you talked about the record in, in their first four years. McVay, that record that he has is fourth best record in the NFL during that span. And for Shanahan, that ranks for 18th best in the league during that span. And right there, you almost could open and close the case, right? Like, yeah. let's talk about record. Let's talk about wins and losses. Yes, you can go and kind of dive apart on this from the head-to-head, which we'll talk about. We'll talk about the support staff. We'll talk about all the other things that come into it to being a head coach. And I'm picking a lot off of what they talked about, and I'll try to do my best to give a little bit of a recap, and you can go back and listen for yourself. But, you know, one of the things that they also said was that first year taking over the job. And they kind of said, oh, you almost should write it off the record uh, for the Niners because so many injuries. They ended up going with three quarterbacks that year. It was just a mess and and just – Write it off. And McVay walked in uh, to a first round draft pick and the wins just, you know, they came naturally and that was great. And it's like, what? No, like McVay took over a four win program. He took over a guy that he didn't draft at number one. He's an offensive guy. He fit in well and helped develop Jared Goff. But as times as you talk about their injuries being a negative, you can almost talk about Jared Goff and some of the things that he did over his career in the Rams as being, you know, working around, you know, a quarterback to try to be successful and finding other ways to be successful. But, um, you know, going back to that first year with McVay, the Rams, you know, cranked out a top 10 offense, 10th in passing yards, 6th in passing touchdowns, 8th in rushing yards, and 5th in rushing touchdowns. You go back to Shanahan's offense, they finished 12th in the league in total yards, 20th in total points, um, they had the ninth most passing yards, and that came from three different quarterbacks that season, Bethard, Hoyer, and Jimmy G, who they picked up late in that season, made a big trade. Uh, he finished that out. They were 28th in the league in passing touchdowns uh, and 21st in the league in rushing yards. So they were kind of a mess. Their only pro bowler that year was fullback uh, Kyle Juszczyk, and that year for the Rams, Goff and Gurley both made the Pro Bowl. So talking about what you did inheriting that team in that first year, I think right away, 
I give the win to McVay. And I look at this as categories, right? And we talked a little bit about this off air, but there are a few things that I'm judging on this is right. Overall record we've talked about first year as a coach. I think you always have to talk about the player personnel decisions, which we can kind of touch on as we talk through this. Uh, the coaching tree, who's around you, who stayed, who's gone, which we'll touch on as well. Playoff record and head to head. And all these things we'll get to. But I think if you look at kind of going down and giving a check mark for a win in some of these categories, I think first year, uh, you got to give the win to McVeigh. And overall record, which we touched upon, you got to give to McVeigh. So, so already I have Sean McVeigh out of the gate fast uh, with two check marks on his side. Uh, just what he was able to do with that team that first year changing the culture and we talked about this if it wasn't last week the week before that uh with the amount of having a winning record how many weeks in a row and McVay was you know second on that list uh only to the Kansas City Chiefs I think that could even go into this conversation but the culture mm-hmm. change you know it took a little bit longer for Kyle Shanahan to get some of that culture change going their defense picked up big time they've had to deal with injuries in that offense which has been up and down obviously they had a really good offense the year they went to Super Bowl but um, right out of the gate, I think Sean McVay is already taking a very heavy lead in my books uh, and my view on this. Yes, I have some Homer glasses on, but overall record, which is the name of the game. You play to win the game, right? Like that's the quote of the NFL uh, forever, right? And he wins there. Yeah. And first year with the team, completely turning around a four-win program. Jeff Fisher, 7-9 and nine BS, and brings in this winning uh, we not me attitude, which I think has really stapled that first year, but throughout those next four years, even going into this fifth year, is still the attitude of the team. So those are kind of my opening thoughts, opening arguments, shall you say, uh, for Sean McVay. Ironically enough, it feels like it was a closing argument, you know? So I think you made a good point. You made a great case, obviously, for Sean McVay. And I tend to agree, you know, if this is the criteria we're going by, which I think most people would suggest that those two you know, statistics or numbers are very important in terms of how you open the gate, the team that you inherited and your overall win loss record over the course of your entire career as a coach. Sean McVay gets the nod, you know, on both of those categories, in my opinion, too. You know, Shanahan comes into the first season six and 10. That's okay. You know, that's not bad. He inherited not a great team. And the same thing goes for Sean McVay, except he made the playoffs. He got a home playoff game in that first season. He won 11 games, losing only five. And he was the first head coach in NFL history, mind you, the youngest ever as well, at 31 years old, to ever take a team that ranked 32nd in points one year, the prior year, to first in points the immediate year after. The first coach to ever do that. And this guy was 31 years old, the youngest coach ever. And that kind of immediate success, I mean, you couldn't have scripted it any better. Like if you had told Rams fans, you're going to hire this guy and he's going to be a good talker. He's going to be a good guy. He's going to be the youngest ever. And he's going to take this offense that was so bad. I mean, it was horrible in 2016. I don't know if you guys really remember that or not, but I remember vividly just Jared Goff throwing four yard passes to Tyler Higby <laughs> in the flat. And that was like a decent play. Like it was like, oh my God, we're in third and six. Okay, we got a shot. It was horrible. I mean, you look at Jared Goff's stats. He went 0 for 7 in that year. He had five touchdowns in seven games, a thousand yards. Like that is brutal. This guy was averaging 160 yards per game and less than a passing touchdown per game. That is just so bad. And I think it does a really good job of just describing this poor 
team and the state of the Rams when Sean McVay took over. And he immediately turned that around into arguably the best offense in football. And if not the best offense in football, at least a team that made the playoffs and was significantly improved in every single margin. So like you said, I tend to agree. I think Sean McVay has those categories, but there's a plenty more that we have to cover. And we're going to dive into those in the next segment, taking a look at how these guys stack up against each other to find which coach is ultimately better. And while we've got you, make sure to come connect with us on Twitter for all the coverage you need on the Los Angeles Rams. You can find us at QB's MEP at LA underscore rambling bear and at locked on Rams. Baseball season is in full swing and you can track all the action at bet online. This week has tons of sports action on the go as the NBA playoffs and the NHL playoffs are closing up and nearly getting to an end. Get all the latest news, odds and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB NBA, NHL, and all your UFC and MMA action. Before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Welcome back to the second segment of this Wednesday episode. This head coach, Sean McVay, Kyle Shanahan, head-to-head special. This one's a little bit different, Brad. We usually, I feel like, cover breaking news or you know some interesting topic that's surrounding the Rams or whatever the case is in the NFL. But this one feels a little bit different, and I'm having a lot of fun because we're now getting to just sit back and recap really what we've seen over you know the last four years. It's been a long time. I feel like we've had a good amount of time to really sit back and digest how these coaches have done. And you know what's very ironic is Both of these guys, you know, they've kind of had this similar tree. They come from this same similar style of offense, outside zone based, all that kind of stuff. They took over the same, you know, year in 2017 as head coaches. They're both supposed to be these younger offensive guru types, which I think most people would suggest that they are. And both of them did secure an NFC championship win one time in their careers. In Sean McVay's case, 2018, obviously, Kyle Shanahan, 2019, the year right after, And both of these teams went to the Super Bowl. Unfortunately for the Rams and the Niners, both of them lost. So no Super Bowl rings, but both of these coaches really reached, I guess you could say the same peak, you know, in terms of the mountain high that they've reached over the last four years. Now, I know that that was something you also wanted to talk about in addition to a few other things. So I'm going to hand over the mic to you. And uh, why don't you tell me your next criteria and, you know, how you kind of break it down between these two guys. Yeah, it's crazy even going back and thinking about this as well, because this was actually the introduction of of some of my podcasting experience with James Kroger with uh, Rams podcast. We had done and covered the Rams in their first year in L.A. And that first offseason, we understood, obviously, Fisher was fired uh, late in that season and we were going to do this coach search. And we had a list of like eight. I wish I had this sheet somewhere. It's probably in one of my boxes somewhere. But we had all these lists of all these uh, coaches, potential coaches that was going to take over the Rams. You talked about Kyle Shanahan that same year getting the job um, out with San Francisco. And he was number one on our list. Like that's who Mm -hmm. me and James were talking about that day recording on the mic. And we were maybe 35 minutes into the episode. We had started talking about a couple coaches. And we get this, you know, tweet or whatever it was that came across our timeline that said the Rams hired Sean McVay. Like out of nowhere from us, we're like, what? So we had to like pause the episode and be like, all right, let's just now do a bunch of Google searching on this, you know, 30-something-year-old Sean McVay and figure out how where we're going to go with this episode and how we're going to can everything about, you know, we're talking about how great Kyle Shanahan was. He ends up out in San Francisco. It's just funny how it all kind of worked out at the same time. But now here we are looking back. I think one of the things you mentioned was the coaching tree and looking at this 
as you have talent and a head coach, one of the things that they talked about on on uh, Lockdown 49ers was like, you're not just like, you think of Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay as these offensive gurus, but as a head coach, you have to be in control of the defense, the special teams, how you mm-hmm. gather people around you to be successful and put yourself in a, in a place to be a winning football team. And looking at what we've heard now, the Sean McVay coaching tree is a thing because he has lost a lot of talent and he has let people go, he's let people go interview for jobs and he's never blocked anybody. Um, I can, I don't know for Kyle Shanahan if he's ever blocked somebody from getting an interview or not. Um, but looking just down the list over their short career, and I may be wrong on some of this Kyle Shanahan and, and some of the other coordinators or people around that he may have lost. But from my understanding, uh, he hasn't lost a major coach as far as the OC or DC um, special teams coach, maybe. Uh, but Robert Sala is the first guy really to leave and, and take on a, a big major job head coach of the Jets. And then Mike LaFleur joins him as I believe he's going for offense coordinator there um, or passing game coordinator, but he left as well this year. That's the first big blow. He's had four seasons of Robert Sala as a D coordinator, which is a huge part of his success and what they've done well, right? You look at outside of their one season where they did have a you know really high-powered offense, which helped them get uh, and make that run. Their defense has been what we're all talking about. It's not so much their offense. Yes, injuries have been the case, but looking back at Sean McVay's coaching tree, lost offense coordinator Matt LaFleur, uh, 2017, went to Green Bay, head coach. Actually, I think in their conversation, they talked about an article where PFF ranked the top seven coaches and LaFleur was like number two or three. And that was a former uh, staff member here with Sean McVay, left early. Uh, after that, quarterback uh, coach Zach Taylor leaves, goes and is the Bengals head coach 2008, another big uh, key piece of that offense. And then even just recently, um, you know, looking at defense coordinator Brandon Staley led the Rams to one of the best defenses they've had in a long time. Heads over in the neighborhood to go with the Chargers. And then Shane Waldron uh, moves up to be the Seahawks offensive coordinator as well. So he's had four different guys move on. Shanahan, not so much. He's kind of been able to keep that town around him. So that, I think that that almost for me in, in, in you know, an argument way, in a debating way, was I would almost give that check mark to Sean McVay. One, uh, having talent leaving that becomes top-end talent elsewhere in the NFL and still being able to maintain what we talked about in that first segment with the winning record, uh, with keeping that culture and filling in, finding good talent and making sure they fit within the system and not skipping a beat, which I think is really important. Um, So that was another thing that I came into this when I was looking about this was like, who are you surrounded by and how is that helping you with the success? Shanahan, maybe you might argue, then, hey, he's doing it all by himself outside of, you know, Robert Sala. Like, he's the key piece that they really need there. But uh, I look at Sean McVay as as just the the outlier here as, like, really, uh, whoever leaves, I'll fill him with another great guy. I'll have him buy into my system, and we'll still win ballgames. And that is such a good point. I'm looking at it, you know, from a different angle in, in sort of a similar lens. You didn't even mention half the other guys on the defensive side of the ball, like Aubrey Pleasant, who just yeah. left and is now, you know, the secondary's coach in Detroit. Or, you know, you look at a guy like Joe Barry, who now is the defensive coordinator in Green Bay with Matt LaFleur and so many other names. I mean, you're talking guys from the general managers, you know, in that front office sector to coaches that are, you know, coordinators to guys that are positional coaches and everywhere in between. Like you're talking about a head coach 
they need to be able to delegate, right? That is, I think, one of the most underrated parts of being a head coach and where I think Jeff Fisher ultimately failed miserably as a head coach because I personally thought he was a good leader, right? He's a good guy. He gets players to buy in and most guys do that are successful. You got um, guys that, you know, know how to lead. And I feel like all of these guys fall under that category. But the difference is, can you properly delegate certain tasks to, you know, guys in other positions that you can rely on to do the job properly? Because you as a head coach, you need to oversee the whole team. You only have so much time in a day. You cannot be the offensive coordinator, the defensive coordinator, the cornerbacks coach, the offensive line coach, the, you know, all these different things. You need to be able to find coaches that are going to be able to be plugged into your system that you want to run and be able to coach those certain schemes or whatever the case is. And I feel like Sean McVay may be better than any other coach in the NFL has done that because every year he's losing someone that's important on his staff, whether that's on offense or defense. And then he always finds a way to adequately replace these guys and never really miss a beat, like, you know, to a big degree, at least. And you look around all the other coaches or the coaching staffs in the NFL. I don't think there's another team that's been poached like the Rams have over the last three, maybe four years. And so I think that really speaks to his ability to just locate certain coaches that he knows are going to fit the culture of the building, as well as his coaching staff and guys that he can either, you know, groom into the same scheme or system that he runs or finding and locating coaches that maybe do similar things and then being able to properly delegate tasks to those guys and trust those guys to ultimately coach up their respective positional groups or players. And ultimately, I don't think you can really, you know, argue with the performance that Sean McVay has had because year after year, you're looking at these different coaches getting head coaching jobs, getting, you know, coordinator jobs, always getting promotions, whether that's, you know, with the Rams or with somebody else. I'm pretty certain that a lot of coaches would love to play for Sean McVay right now. And that does take us into our final segment. We're going to finally look at some interesting last final debates here. Maybe something like head-to-head record as well as our few finishing touches. But while we've got you, make sure to keep checking back in with us here at the Locked on Rams podcast throughout the rest of the week when we continue our training camp preview series. Folks, are you having any car troubles? Do you ever go outside to find your car tires flat or your car won't even start? Well, you should absolutely check out rockauto.com for your service needs. Rock Auto is a family-owned business that's been serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. You heard me correctly, two decades. We know there's no better time than right now to support family-owned businesses with this COVID stuff we got going on. So if you can, I try and urge you to do that. If you're a person who likes to fix things yourself or you're a professional and you're looking for reliably low prices, you should check out Rock Auto. All you have to do is just go to their website and check out all their available parts. If your car needs it, there's a good chance that they've got it. Amazing selections, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. The fitness industry is incredibly confusing and oversaturated with BS. I'd like to think that my word holds a lot of weight as I've lost 155 pounds over the last two and a half years. Throughout that time, I was looking for the best protein bar, the best protein company, and finally found one called the Built Bar. I'm telling you guys, there is nothing quite like it. They have so many delicious flavors. They're also super delicious. They're healthy. They're low in calories, low in sugar. They have 19 grams of protein per bar. They're high in fiber, and they even work for you on a keto diet, and the texture is unlike any other protein bar I've ever tried. You even get a free cooler with your purchase while the supplies last. All you have to do is just go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCK15 and you'll get 15% off your next order. Use the promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. 
Host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the final segment of this head coach to head coach special matchup between Sean McVay and Kyle Shanahan. I'm your host, Sosa Kremenges, and I'm joined by my guy, Brad Motter, on the other line. And Brad, I feel like up until this point, it's kind of felt like a Mike Tyson 1996 third round knockout. Like it hasn't even been close, in my opinion, to this point. You looked at all these other categories. You know, we're looking at wins and losses, total records, uh, the teams that they inherited, the peaks that they've reached, all these different things, even the coaching staff, like you mentioned, a very, very good topic. And I think Sean McVay has had the advantage in every single regard. And now we got to kind of take it back to a different perspective here, I think. And, you know, this is something that if we don't mention, I promise you is going to be brought up ad nauseum and deservedly so, because ironically enough, you know, Sean McVay, Kyle Shanahan, the Rams, the Niners, they are divisional rivals. These two teams do get the opportunity to play each other two times every single season, if not more, you know, if they do reach the playoffs or whatever the case was, which off the top of my head, I don't recall if they did. I'm quite certain that they did not play in the playoffs because the only year that the 49ers made the playoffs throughout Shanahan's tenure was in 2019 and the Rams, that was the only year they didn't make the playoffs. So obviously they didn't play each other in the playoffs. They've had eight head-to-head games. I'm going to let you take this one, Brad, because I know this was one of the topics that you wanted to discuss as well. And then I'm going to kind of share my touch on it as well. So why don't you go ahead first? Yeah. And you said this is the spot where all the Shanahan heads out there can puff their chest out and go look at the (laughs) head-to-head record. But I'll look at it. And looking at it, it's still not that like smacky in the face. Oh my gosh, Shanahan deserves this win. It's five wins, three losses. McVay has three wins five losses. And if you really kind of mm-hmm. dive into it, the last two years is where that shifted, right? We had this conversation mm-hmm. last year. It's almost a coin toss, right? Now, all of a sudden, two years in a row, they sweep us both years. And now it's a landslide for Shanahan. But to going back to it, 2017, first year they play, they split one and one Rams win 41, 39, then they lose 34, 13. Uh, 2018, the Rams sweep. It was actually the first time they swept the 49ers since 2004, and they clinched their first round bye in that home win in Week 17. So a little sweetness on top of that win, <laughs> 39 to 10 and 48 32. Not really close ball games. Rams dominate. That was the year they go to the Super Bowl. Uh, followed by now. Here's where the Niners come in, right? Mm-hmm. They sweep us in 2019. You mentioned it. They go to the Super Bowl. We don't make the playoffs. Probably the worst year in the McVay era, 2019. Hands down, that was the fall apart of our offensive line. That was yep. the fall apart of Jared Goff's confidence. Um, and then it's followed in 2020 uh, with two more losses. But looking close into those losses, the only losses in the last uh, two seasons – that was bad, was that 20-7 to smackdown they gave us, which I think was in L.A. Jared Goff throws a pick six. Like, it was just ugly. Their defense, I think they showed Robert Sala more on the screen than any other person in that game because their defense was just everywhere. We had nothing that game. But other than that, it was 34-31 that first game in 2019, three-point game. Uh, 2020, 24-16, eight-point game. That wasn't that close. And then 23-20. to in uh, their last game there, they're close ball games. And if you look at it, uh, I just don't think that this is as dominant. If we talked about this back in 2019, you're still going, all right, it's pretty close. 
yes, the Rams have to get back on the win column to kind of get this argument back. But we're talking about a one-game swing. If McVay wins one more of those games, it's 4-4 tie, and that whole argument is out the window. That's not Mm -hmm. the case, right? The Rams lost those games. But I still don't see that as being enough to elevate him towards the top. They're close ball games as NFC West games should be. And if you look at the Arizona Cardinals who are hiding somewhere because, you know, Sean McVay hasn't lost to them (laughs) yet in the division going like, don't bring up the head-to-head, please don't bring up the (laughs) head-to-head. But I think this one's going to even out over their career. I think the Rams have a really good opportunity to, you know, get one back at least this year, if not maybe go and look for that sweep again since uh, the first time in 2018. But uh, it just doesn't at, when when you hear about it and you go yeah you know four straight times you're going oh man they own us and then you look close games also looking over since they got here it's not that dramatic as it sounds in the last couple of years but I think over time that's going to even itself out and then what then what are they going to go back to the injury thing well we've had a lot of injured quarterbacks and it's tough to win with an injured quarterback well that's your problem for signing up. Jimmy G and paying him all this money. And obviously it wasn't good enough because you went and drafted somebody. And maybe they're even taking a, a page out of the Rams book and saying, hey, the Rams got stuck with a number one overall pick, which I can't say stuck. We went and traded for it. And we were, we were happy with a few years there. But we got out. We found our quarterback. Here they are kind of following. They're like the little brother kind of following whatever Sean McVay does. They'll go and try to do the same thing. So, um, yes, I'm taking some late jabs there. I'm throwing some bows <laughs> and I'm trying to rattle up Niner Nation before the season gets going. Uh, but I just don't see it here. And that that's so I'll kick it back to you and then we can maybe talk playoff record or you roll us into the playoff uh, thoughts. But their biggest argument, I don't I, I really see through it is what I'm saying. Yeah. You know, what's funny is while you were talking, I'm like five and three uh, for Shanahan. That sounds a little bit interesting. And so I opened it up and it just came to me in my head. In 2017, the Rams had nothing to play for in Week 17, if you guys yep. recall. They benched Jared Goff for Sean Mannion against the San Francisco 49ers. Very true. obviously lost that game because they played a bunch of backups in that game because that game meant nothing to them. They couldn't clinch a bye week. They couldn't do anything in terms of their playoff seeding, so they had no reason to risk their players. And that was one of the games that they lost against the 49ers in this 5-3 and three or 3-5 three and five record, depending on which way you're looking at it, by a score of 34-13, to 13, by the way. They got demolished. And no surprise at all. I mean, Sean Mannion, no offense if you are listening, <laughs> not a quarterback that should be starting in the NFL, probably not even a guy that should be in the NFL, to be quite honest with you. So if you take that game away, you know, that game could have very easily been the Rams, you know, win could have been in their favor, probably would have been. We're talking about a team that was 11 and five versus a 49ers team that was, you know, six and 10, I think at that spot. So, you know, and it I'm could have curious, very easily been four and four. As we talk about it too, I was, I'm almost curious to hear Sean McVay's thoughts on that now looking back because he rests the starters. We come out flat versus Atlanta, boom, one and done in the playoffs that year. wonder if that scenario pops up again and, 2021 2022 if Sean McVay is playing the starters a little bit in that game trying to stay hot but good point I totally forgot about that as I'm looking at the score here um they were resting they were resting players getting ready for the playoffs yeah so you know even then it's like I'll give the head-to-head record to Shanahan deservedly so he gets that take for me not by a big margin though it is very very slight because of that game and not even because of that game necessarily, but more so because of what Robert Saul has been able to do to Sean McVay's offenses, right? So it's been uh, a very 
tough game or series to watch for Rams fans on the offensive side of the ball because Salah has had his day with Sean McVay's offenses and specifically Jared Goff. I mean, he's done a really, really good job at limiting what Goff has been able to do. But that takes us into our final little category here, our little topic, and that is playoff performance. You know, I talked about it in, I think the second segment it was now, both guys reached ultimately the same peak. You know, they both got to a Super Bowl one year apart. Neither team could essentially, you know, take care of that last game, the last hurdle. Both teams went away with a Super Bowl loss, no ring. They technically did get NFC Championship rings, if that counts for anything or if anyone cares. But the way they got there is a little bit different. Sean McVay has had three appearances in the playoffs over the course of his four seasons as a head coach. Kyle Shanahan, only one playoff appearance, and that was in 2019, obviously, when they went to the Super Bowl. In that season, they played in three playoff games. One of them was the Super Bowl. They went two and one. So, you know, pretty good. You can't really fault them for that. You look at Sean McVay, like I mentioned, three times in the playoffs. 2017 has one game, which they lose. I believe it was to the Atlanta Falcons. And I don't really fault them too badly for that. I feel like it was still that first year of McVay's, Mm -hmm. you know, taking over. They were still very, very young, inexperienced. I think at that point, you know, the only players that the Rams had that had any kind of playoff experience was like, Andrew Whitworth, maybe, you know, yeah, we're talking a couple about, of really bad special teams turnovers. Farrah Cooper, I think yes. two fumbles in that game. Yeah. And it was still a relatively close game too, you yeah. know, for a very young and, uh, you know, maturing team, I guess. So that one, not too bad. You know, you look at 2018, very similar run to what the 49ers had in 2019, three playoff games. They go two and one again, losing a Super Bowl, just like the Niners 2019 down season. The Rams don't make the playoffs 2020 last year, two playoff games again, a very, very weird scenario in the playoffs. I mean, you go into it in the first game, traveling to a divisional rival stadium, playing with a new quarterback who's starting his second ever game in the NFL, and he gets hurt four minutes into the game. (laughs) And now you got to go back to the quarterback that you just benched three days ago Uh. with a broken hand, a throwing hand, by the way, not like an offhand, his broken throwing hand. This dude can't even throw five-yard passes. I mean, he's throwing footballs seven feet over Tyler Higby's head. Like, it was a brutal experience. And somehow the Rams got out of that one with a win. And then, you know, unfortunately for them, a couple more important players get hurt in that game, Aaron Donald, so on and so forth. Then they got to travel to Green Bay in the cold against the MVP, Aaron Rodgers, the best offense probably in football, and they do lose that game. So the Rams do go one and one in that playoff run. Overall, playoff records, Sean McVay, three and three in six games over the course of his four seasons, and Kyle Shanahan, two and one in his three games. So I don't know that there's a decisive victory here, Brad. I don't know how you feel about it. I I think the only decisive victory for me is the records. It kind of feels like it evens out or whatever. But at the end of the day, it's it's how many years did you make the playoffs, right? Three years that the Rams did to one with the Niners. Again, you can make all the excuses. Oh, what our quarterback was is always hurt. That's your problem. I'm talking about getting (laughs) to the playoffs, winning games, uh, overall records, all those big things. And really, I go back to like, and you know this in the fantasy world, it's one of my favorite things is when these fantasy experts go, uh, here's player A and puts a bunch of stats. And here's player B. Who's, you hate him. I love him because I'm like, ooh, who? Like, first, I'm always trying to figure <laughs> out who is it and ooh, who is better and where is this house going to mentally affect my drafting and, you know, blah, blah, blah. But if you did that with these two coaches, I don't know yeah. how in the world you ever circle Shanahan. And you could come up right. with a few extra categories, whatever you want to do. If you did a blind test and put out some of these stats and put out some of the – and people would look down and go, oh, head to head. Okay, they beat that one guy. Okay, whatever. Like everything else, you know, you could even say, you know, 
five coaches leaving for coordinator or head coach positions. Like anything you want to stat head to head, I just don't see a way that you're circling Shanahan. And like I said at the beginning of this, right? I think both programs will look at it and go, we're pretty happy with our guy. I mean, I remember going back to Jared Goff being drafted and Carson Wentz one and two, and it was like this debate, would you want to trade guys? You know, for the longest mm-hmm. time it was like, would you trade guys? Mm-hmm. I feel like there were times where I was like, heck yeah, give me Wentz. Let's see how this goes. Like this yeah. is not working for me, but I don't think you'd find a person out there right now that would say, let's switch head coaches. Cause I think both sides are like, yeah. we got the right guy for us. And that's mm-hmm. fine, but if you if you're gonna compare them and and do some blind stats and and put them up and just have an average football fan circle who is the better, you know, <laughs> coach or whatever you want to whatever category who's the better team who's the better whatever you want there they're gonna circle McVeigh blindly every single time. Maybe mm-hmm. there's some bias, West Coast bias. Maybe there's some you know age bias there. They're both pretty young, so I don't know. But <laughs> I don't see how you pick Shanahan, and so that's my. You're right. I think I may have done my closing argument in the first segment. So go back to the first segment to get my closing argument. But that's it, man. It's Sean McVay, hands down. Wouldn't trade him for the world. So stoked to see us have a guy, um, you know, with Matt Stafford coming into town, the defense playing one of their best years ever. Uh, Aaron Donald, just the ultimate player, number one player in the league on either side of the ball. I'm stoked about this. And I think in due time, he is going to take over this battle and leave Shanahan in his dust. I love it. I'm not going to disagree with a damn thing you said there, my friend. Both teams, I think, are happy. Both fan bases, I think, are happy. And mind you, I feel like we trashed on Shanahan for this whole episode, but (laughs) the dude's a great coach. Like, I would be thrilled if that was my head coach, you know what I mean? But, you know, some things maybe haven't went his way over the last few seasons, whatever. Now, to this juncture, to this point right here, right now, to me, Sean McVay is indefinitely better. I, th- I think that's very clear cut in my opinion. I love that analogy you used if, you know, coach A versus coach B and you told 50 NFL fans or 100 NFL fans, which one do you want? Which one would you rather have? No context provided. I think, you know, 99% of them would go with Sean McVay in that regard. But not only that, we finally have a season right now where both coaches picked their guy for sure at quarterback. The Rams are going to go with Matthew Stafford. The 49ers elected to go with the young route. They went with Trey Lance, obviously drafting him very high. And now there's no more excuses. You know, we've but seen they've the got best- a really confusing quarterback situation because they picked yes. a quarterback, but they also said, we're going to keep this guy who we're paying like <laughs> 160 million or whatever he's making. So that's the thing. And also looking forward, if you, if I were to say, who do I like going forward to? I'd pick McVay mm-hmm. again because yeah, I just like a quarterback, uh, ugh, like whatever you're going to do there, good luck. You lost your, probably your strongest uh, outside of a player person in, in Robert Sala, who's been there for four years. It wasn't like Brandon Staley came for one year and lost. And we're like, oh, well, it wasn't too long ago. We didn't have him. Like, they are in a really – this year is going to be fun, right? I think this year also shows a lot more to this debate, too, on who kind of rises to the top. But, man, you're right. They both picked their quarterback, but their their situation is still a little muddy over there. Most definitely. And I think, you know, both guys have this new ceiling here. You know, Sean McVay was good with Jared Goff. I think he could be much better with Matt Stafford or yeah. Matthew Stafford. My apologies. And I think that Kyle Shanahan was good with Jimmy Garoppolo and all the other quarterbacks he had, Nick Mullins, CJ Beathard, all these guys. But I think he could be better with Trey Lance. And this season is going to be fun because they're going to play each other two more times. It's going to be two new quarterbacks. And this time, Robert Sala won't be walking the sidelines <laughs> yeah. for the 49ers. Thank God. So. Thank God. 
Yeah, so maybe no more Jared Goff pick six. It's a defensive tackle, whatever the case <laughs> is. Hopefully, you know, falls in the Rams' favor, but that is going to do for this episode. I'm going with Sean McVay. Brad's going with Sean McVay. It's a decisive victory. Third round knockout. Mike Tyson, 1996 style. Uh, we're going to see what happens this season. I think it's going to be very fun to watch. Obviously, you're talking about two of the best coaches in the NFL, both young guys, and a divisional rival brewing there. It's going to make it a lot more fun, as it always does, than just comparing you know, the Rams and the Jaguars or whatever the case is. So that's going to do for this episode. We would love to hear your guys' thoughts. Shoot those over to us on Twitter. Uh, you know, you can find us at QB's MEP at LA underscore Rambling Bear and at Locked on Rams. And make sure to check back in throughout the rest of the week. We're going to continue our training camp preview series, breaking down each positional battle going throughout the entire roster. And please subscribe or follow to get our latest episodes, content, breaking news, and a whole lot more.